welcome to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton. This podcast brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Joining me today is a very special guest, and this is a a pretty special episode. Uh, I'm going to be uh, interviewing and introducing uh, Jerry Powell. And Jerry is quite an interesting character uh, with a, a, a long background, as you're going to hear uh, here with, with you know, some substance abuse and addictions, but also some incredible success in business. So he is a, an American entrepreneur. And in 2000, 2015, he founded Rhythmia Life Advance Center in Costa Rica uh, after an experience with plant medicine that helped him overcome depression. Uh, helped him overcome anxiety, helped him overcome addictions. And the uh, the medically licensed luxury retreat center focuses on spiritual awakening and facilitates plant medicine journeys. Uh, he was originally founded a bunch of other businesses. So he founded Y-Rent, which was designed to help consumers buy homes with no down payment or uh, low monthly payments. In 1994, he co-founded Cooperative Images, which became thatlook.com. Uh, the company went public in 1999, and he later founded My Choice Medical, which was sold in 2004 for $94 million. So Jerry has done some incredible things in the entrepreneurial world. Uh, he shares pretty openly his challenges and his struggles uh, with addictions, with you know his, his challenges with uh, infidelities and some of his some of his past. Um, he has an incredible sort of turnaround stories, and and a lot of that revolves around plant medicine. So he shares a lot about his his personal story. Uh, He shares a good amount about his experience with plant medicine. And we dive into why he built uh, this retreat center down in Costa Rica uh, that I've had the pleasure of being at. And it was an absolutely incredible experience. There'll be uh, some more details, some of my personal experience on that coming up in the future. I'm going to be interviewing uh, one of the other gentlemen there, Dr. Jeff McNary, who him and I have an incredible, one of my favorite conversations, actually. Uh, Jeff and I end up talking about the neuroscience uh, and the biology behind plant-based medicine, behind psychedelics, behind things like psilocybin and ayahuasca and some of these other uh, psychedelic-based uh, um, activities and, and and substances that that people are now starting to explore with, and that research is starting to show has incredible effects on things like depression and anxiety, uh, and and things like addiction. So that's what we're going to dive into today: the the world of psychedelics. Uh, Jerry's going to share a good amount of his personal story. It is just an absolutely incredible story. And we are going to take a walk through the forest of plant-based medicine through one man's personal journey. So before I bring Jerry on, just want to remind all the guys to head over to Facebook and join the Man Talks community. Uh, And if you haven't already, Vienna and I have released a course called Getting the Love You Want, Get the Love You Want. And uh, it's a six-week program that her and I have created uh, we launched it out earlier on this year and had about 250 people join us, and it was absolutely amazing. One of uh, the the most impactful courses, in fact, 
that the, that a lot of the people said that they have ever taken. In fact, some of the people said that they learned more from this course than they have in years of therapy. That seemed to be the consistent thing that we have heard. You know, a lot of these people have done therapy, they've done coaching before, they've done group programs. Um, but this this program was designed by Vienna and I, and Vienna has over twelve thousand hours of doing one-on-one -on -one or couple work uh, with people that are trying to work on their relationships. So her and I built the course. It is designed to help you dig deep into understanding your communication style, improving your communication in your relationship, whether you are single, whether you're married, whether you're dating. Uh, it's also designed to help you set better boundaries. And we dive straight into sex and intimacy. We talk about things like power dynamics, and we teach you and your partner or your soon-to-be partner uh, how to connect on a more intimate level. So it's a really powerful course. Uh, we're going to be starting on September 11th. So if you're interested in joining us, you should go sign up right now. Uh, you can find the links to that in my uh, Instagram profile. Uh, I might have the the links below on the on the uh, uh, the website page, and uh, you can also find them on my on my website on mentalks.com. So, without any further delay, please welcome Mr. Jerry Powell. Very, very, very glad to be here. Likewise, likewise. I have been looking forward to this interview for a while, <laughs> and uh, you know, I I have the the I've had the fortune to to watch you speak. If, just for the viewers out there. And for the listeners out there, Jerry is uh, hilarious. And I heard you speak the other day, and I, I swear you're like one of the best public speakers I've ever seen. Really? It was truly phenomenal. Huh. I told you, and I'm just going to tell you again, yeah. because it was such a pleasure to watch you. Huh. So, so that thank you. That shocks me to do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know where you learned how to do that. But um, anyway, let's dive straight in. We're going to talk sure. about a whole bunch of stuff today. Okay, cool. um, but maybe just tell us a story about a defining moment in your life that made you who you are today. I would say the the... The peak moment in my life was uh, was doing plant medicine for the first time. Mm. That, that was I was I was a dying man, mm. and uh, and it gave me life. Yeah, you know. So for me, it's the most important. I mean, I I love the day my children were born and all those. Things. I love those things, but <clears throat> I was a dead man and brought back to life through through this medicine. Yeah. Mm. So what led you on that journey? I know that you, one of the things that uh, that really stood out to me about your story was your you know battle with addictions. Yeah, and, he's a sad guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you know I think a, a lot of people, so many people, battle with addictions and and really struggle with them, oftentimes behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be the traditional type, but maybe just give our listeners a little bit of a context to you know, what led you down that path of, of addictions? Yeah. So I was brought up in a, in a fairly strict, uh, family, a little violent family. And, uh, I was lucky in business. I became a business guy and, and, and had a fair amount of success in business. You know, I got to the point that I accumulated enough money that I could have lived many lifetimes. Yeah. And, and I was super unhappy. Mm. So I was unhappy. I was a drug addict. I was a sex addict. I was a liar. I was a thief. I was a misogynist, chauvinist, a wife beater. Like I was really a, a bad guy. And I was super unhappy mm. and hated people. Mm. I really despised 
humans. Mm. I hated them. And uh, I was suicidal. I tried to commit suicide on two different occasions. You know, it was a, a rough existence. I had a very rough existence, yeah. One of the things that stood out to me in, in, your, in your talk and just, you know, as I kind of got to know you a little bit more um, was something that, that you said really stuck with me was just like this normalization of, of physical violence in your home. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that and, and just how that maybe impacted your trajectory in life? Yeah. So, so my home, you know, my mother would be hit, yeah. you know, and the kids would be hit. So it just seemed, it, and by the way, too, I, I, I was a hitter. So I got my first day of kindergarten, I got sent home for punching a kid. Mm. And when I remember being, I remember being about six or seven and one of the neighborhood kids was fucking with me. Mm-hmm. Can I say fuck? Oh with yeah, us? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and if I didn't hit him, my father was watching. If I didn't hit him back, I would have gotten beat by my father. So it was just the way, it was just the way things were. It wasn't like, uh, you know, it was just the way things were. And did you find that that was, you know, later on in life, did you look back and was that a cultural thing? Was that something that, that was just passed down, you know, or was it just an Irish thing? An Irish American thing, you know? So you so you grew up in an environment where you just sort of were, were taught these things. It was just part of yeah. what a what a what a man does, or what like, a man does. Okay. Uh huh. So and at the same time, too, another terrible thing: women in my family were slaves. Mm. Slaves, like really crazy thinking. Like, uh, you know, they cooked and cleaned and shut shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. That's what they did. They were there. Like beast of burden, crazy, mm. crazy stuff. Yeah. So I had a fucking distorted view of shit. Yeah. You know, out of the gate, you know? Uh, yeah. So how did that, it, how did that sort of play out as you, as you went into business and what would you say led to, led to your, your success? Like, cause I think one of the, one of the things that was interesting to, to me that stood out about this was how your trajectory was really about like redefining success through your own healing. Yes, you know, it's like yeah. as you healed yourself, your version of success seemed to change quite a bit. Absolutely. So so what what propelled you into business? And maybe just give the listeners a little bit of context of like what you did and 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 what you built. Yeah. So when I was uh when I was a young guy, I I was in the resort timesharing business. Okay. And uh I got out of that business and got into the land development business, land development, building houses, things like that. And that did well for me. And then uh, got into the plastic surgery business and ended up owning a bunch of plastic surgery centers and had failures in there as well. You know, just part of Mm -hmm. part of life, you know, but, uh, you know, but I built a, a fairly sizable company, the last one, and I sold it for about 90 million bucks, you know, and, and, and everything that went with it. My business life was good. The reason it was good, because I wasn't formally educated, I was a high school dropout, was because my personal life was so distorted and my sadness was so great Hmm. that I had to compensate with something. And that something was pleasure. 
yeah. and money bought pleasure. Yeah. Did you know at the time, like at this sort of peak of your uh, business or financial success, was there a part of you that knew that this that this sadness and this dysfunction was getting in the way and was going to have to get dealt with at some point? Or? I don't think so. I, I just thought I was confused by all this advertising and fucking TV shows and where money's supposed to make you happy. Mm. And then it wasn't my experience. As a matter of fact, I had the contra experience. The more money, the more unhappiness, mm. the more sadness, the more problems. So uh, there was, a, I did have a friend and my friend said, he said, Jerry, uh, and he was a, a wealthy guy and he was a, he was a content wealthy guy. And he said, money is a great magnifier that the more of it you get, the more magnified your core feelings of yourself are. Mm. So if you're a content person who gets money, mm. it can be a very nice experience. And if you are a discontent human who gets money, it'll kill you. Mm. Uh -huh. And I didn't know, but at the time, I think he was giving that to me as a warning. Um, but, but I was so out of touch with myself, I had no idea. Did you, like, was there... A, a part of your ego or a part of your identity that was just like loving that ride, you know, like kind of in, sort of enjoying the dysfunction of what was happening. Very, 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 I'll be hundred percent honest. Yeah. Very, very, very rarely. Yeah. And I had wild sex shit going on too. I would have like in my office, there'd be, you know, I had a, like a living room in my office. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'd have, two, three, I was married mm -hmm. and I'd have two or three women stop over a day and have sex with them mm. and then go home and have dinner with my wife and kid, like a strange existence, a very yeah. weird existence. Yeah. And, and I always felt, I always felt not enough. Mm. And I always felt shitty about that, looking at my kids. And it was just terrible, dude. It was terrible. Mm. Not that there weren't, drunken nights of debauchery that had some point value, yeah. but they were followed by a day of, of just regret, you know? So. Yeah. And lo hard. looking back on it, how much of a role did shame play in your, in your journey of leading you down this path of, of dysfunction? Cause it sounds like, it sounds like you had such a huge, you know, split, you have this family life, you, you run this business, but then there's like all of this dysfunction, sort of going on, not even behind the scenes, just in the scenes. Yes. Um, so, you know, was, how much did shame play a part of it? And how did you cope with that? You know, like most people, they, they find something else to, to let the steam out. Right? So, mm. so I'm sorry about yeah, that. That's okay. Pop, come on. We're, we're currently in, in Jerry's place <laughs> and his dog is trying to get through the door. Yes. <laughs> There we, go. there we go. There we go. Wonderful. Um, all right. Well, tell me a little bit more about when, when did you start to seek out help and, and how did that come about? Well, I, I, my wife of 20 years, who was a very good woman, super good woman, um, had enough and just wanted out and left me with my kids. And that was my low point. Everybody has a low point. That was yeah. my low point. I actually went to rehab in hopes of getting her back. Mm. my kids saw me with drugs, injectable drugs. And that 
in combination with hoping to get my wife back, I went to rehab. Yeah. And that was my first exposure during rehab to to Michael Beckwith in the Agape Spiritual Center. Yeah. And uh, that made a big difference in me. And then, but that went on, then I, and I met Dr. Jeff McNary, who was a great psychologist, a really, really, really gifted psychologist. Yeah, he's done some amazing things. Amazing He's he's actually, he's going to be on the show uh, soon. He'll be up, he'll be up next. So that's, that's good. So you, so you tried, uh, you you tried treatment for the addiction um, or addictions. And how, how did it go the first round? I stopped doing injectable Demerol. Okay. And that was what I really thought my problem was. Okay. And, um, and, and I stayed in, in therapy for five years with Jeff and, and I mean, full-time therapy, five days a week, real deal yeah. therapy, actually seven days a week, because I, Jeff for five days, I had Reverend Kathleen McNamara for two days. <laughs> it was crazy stuff, right? You're doing the full, the full program. I went the whole deal, the yeah. whole thing. And, um, I, uh, I, I was like, this has to work. And yet it didn't, you know, because I later came to find out they were just trying to keep me alive. Mm. That, that I was diagnosed with uh, antisocial personality disorder okay, and attachment disorder. Yeah, I didn't know it then. And they were just trying to keep me alive because those two, when they line up, usually create a suicide. Yeah. And that's uh, no, very, it's very common amongst, amongst men that antisocial personality disorder and you see see that quite a bit in men like that are between their 40s and like early 40s. Uh, so the su- suicide rate actually spikes for men that are between the age of 40 and 44 because it's where most divorces happen. Uh-huh. And then guys are, you know, they find that they have no social circle and right. life's kind of a shit show. And <laughs> maybe there's some addictions in there and stuff like that, or, you know, or just I love that. social isolation, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where it comes in. So they were just trying to keep you alive yeah and safe you know oh man and it was crazy so that went on for five years yeah but i i didn't see myself getting any better yeah and i'm like i'm gonna do something and and jeff told me take to take a vacation i took this vacation and and through another set of crazy circumstances i i met a woman that told me she had a friend who reminded me of her who did this plant medicine and changed his life yeah and i said fuck it i'll try it and i went to Costa Rica, and I did, and in one night, I swear to you, in one night, my whole life changed. Yeah. In one night, and I was like, I just couldn't get over that this could happen. Yeah, and it it really did too. It reversed my stuff. I later took an MMPI test. Yeah. And and that test shows you if you're lying and da 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 da. And my lie score was nil, and I had nothing. And uh. Uh, yeah, and the M- the MMPI just for for those that are listening, it's a psychological test <clears throat> that allows, <clears throat> excuse me, that allows psychologists to determine uh, where you know what sort of disorders you have, or um, you know whether there's depression or anxiety or uh, other other psychological disorders. And it's uh, from my understanding, it is the like the most prominent test that you can take to yeah, to really understand see. the psyche. Yes, and uh, yeah, and that that. That night changed changed my life. Yeah. yeah. And then then within two months after that night, 
I had put a deposit on this place. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Well, insane. I, I'm going to, we're going to dig into the plant medicine and, and some of the journeys there and your, your experience, not only with plant medicine, but, but with the world of plant medicine. Cause I think a lot of people are very curious yeah. uh, about this because it's, it's emerging, you know, especially in Western it culture. Oh my God, yeah. And it's a very interesting thing because Western society seems to be largely devoid of like really true spiritual depth and yeah. and you can see that there's this void because you see buddhism coming over and and really helping people and you see these other sort of uh religious theological or, or spiritual forms coming in and then you have this these shamanic practices that are now coming out from south america quite a bit over the last couple of decades to sort of help healing um so i definitely want to dig into that but i'm gonna make the listeners uh just hold off a little bit longer <laughs> create some some suspense and tension and I want to just ask one one last question, which is in and around the the sort of the sexual part. If you're okay talking a little, yeah, bit yeah, about sure. It. You know, I think one of the challenges that a lot of men have is that sex is a huge. They're, they're, they have very dysfunctional relationships with sex and intimacy. Yeah. And one of the things that I've seen is whether it's with porn. You yeah. know, some some guys are you know watching hours of porn a day, yeah. and, you know, masturbating three or four, <laughs> eight times a day, yeah. and trying to sleep around. And so for you, just along your journey, how did that sexual dysfunction show up for you? And and what did what did you see it as a byproduct of? Was it just the loneliness? Was it like Well with with me, I I later come to find out I was sexually abused as a child. Okay. But I had all that. I had the porn and then because of my financial situation, I had access to right to whatever you want the real thing all the time yeah yeah and so uh yeah i was in very sad shape with with the whole thing and it it created lots of problems in my life and uh the the amazing part about that is is that you know i believe that's the result of of this split that happens with your soul and yourself yeah tell, tell us about that uh-huh so so the moon showed me which is a crazy statement to me, <laughs> but the moon showed me that that we're all designed to split mm. and and something happens to us between when we're conceived and about five years old that creates this split mm. and once this split occurs no amount of anything can fill the void from this split and men do what comes natural and free. Masturbation is a great natural free thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, and sexual fantasy and all this stuff, uh, it's a great way to try to fill that. Mm. And it just doesn't work. It's just something that nothing can fill this. Yeah. Nothing can fill it. So, yeah. So when that was fixed, the whole thing went away. Everything went away. Huh. And I mean everything. Uh the compulsion to drink, smoke cigarettes, have sex with everybody, porn. But I was never that big in the porn thing. I was more in, into, you know, crazy shit, like five girls in the bed at the same time and yeah. that, that kind of weird shit. And, uh, yeah, and all of that uh, goes away. And what's interesting now is when I look back on that, I still understand drinking like i can see why i drank Mm -hmm. but i i can get in the mind frame to understand why i was drinking but i cannot understand uh 
making love to someone I'm not in love with. Mm. It's a, I can't bridge it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the medicine softens your heart in a way that's hard to explain to someone. The medicine, when you remerge, the medicine softens your heart in a way that's hard to convey. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people already have a soft heart and they wouldn't even understand because they're all they don't understand the first part of it. And then the people that are in the first part of it can't understand having a heart so soft that you would look at it any differently. Yeah. You know, it's a very interesting thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the things that that stands out to me, um, and just to kind of go back to what you were saying, is when you said the moon told you that's one of your that was the first uh, plant medicine ceremony that you yes. that you that you embarked on, and you were sort of shown all of these things that that unfolded and that taught you um, a lot about your life and what to you know, what to do and what uh-huh. the lessons that you needed to learn. Mm-hmm. That, but but I think one of the biggest pieces is this split that you're talking about. Uh-huh. And um, just to clarify for the listeners, you know, I think what you were saying is that your your split was. Um, was sexual trauma, yes. sexual abuse, specifically from from your childhood. But can you give some context to people of what the split can be? Because I think sometimes people hear the word trauma uh-huh. and they immediately think, "Well, I haven't had any, you know, anything like that happen Absolutely. to me." So, um, thumbs up, I'm good. Yeah. Um, so maybe can you give some context to what what the what can be caught what the split the moon, can be caused by? Interesting. The moon said that most people split because they weren't fed on time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so that's how most people split, and that's why sometimes the medicine will show you your split, mm. and sometimes it won't, because for most people, if they saw the the reason they split, they would think, "Well, wow, I was a baby. I mean, I was a pussy." Yeah. Why would I split because I couldn't wait 10 minutes to get fed? Yeah. Like that doesn't make sense. But because you're designed to split, that that anything is traumatic. And mm-hmm. listen, if you if you don't feed a four-month-old infant on time, that infant thinks this is the end of life. Yeah. Why they cry and spaz out and the, this is the end of life. So that's as traumatic as anything. Yeah, you know, so so all things are trauma to the person who's experiencing it. Yeah, all things. So if the moon is right, and I happen to think it is, that everybody was designed to split, and that that split is part of the hero's journey. So it's mm. it's splitting, forgetting, remembering, remerging. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And that's your journey. Yeah. And 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 it's a beautiful journey the whole thing is crazy as it seems <laughs> what do you think really blocks people from embarking on the sort of next steps of the hero's journey i think that that complacency i think that that you know the well, i think one of the worst things that can happen to you is for things to be kind of okay <laughs> <laughs> well it's kind of i mean it's funny because that's that's Again, in Western society, that's like the aim. That's the goal, right? The aim is yeah. like get shit to just be kind okay. of okay. Yes, and if you and and you know a lot of our uh, a lot of the cultural components that we have now with Netflix and accessibility, and you know you can Amazon Prime order your groceries from Whole Foods, so you don't Which even have to so interesting. leave anymore, right? I you can know. have your groceries delivered to you in two hours. Like the convenience factor, and so everything in our society seems to be 
sort of creating this system, this this ecosystem, yeah. where it's pushing people more and more towards if we can just get you to just be a little bit okay, maybe you won't sort of question things. things. You know, whether it's how beautiful though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and what a great observation that yeah. that that everything is is designed like to make us complacent. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the 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 code is sort of designed to force you to either stay in that complacency and that yes. stag- stagnate stagnation state. Yes. Or to contract so that you sort of bottom out and then you yep. know go on the hero's journey yes. right and you start to actually do shit in yes. your life that you know you've needed to do okay let's, so the, let's say the two good things yeah are great success yeah uh, because that'll teach you that it's not there yeah <laughs> or things to get really fucked up yeah so like those two are the two great the middle which is where everything is designed to keep you is not the the place to be yeah. for growth. And, yeah. Did you think that at some at some part in your life that you sort of had to bottom out or that shit had to get really bad in order to start getting better? Or, or did you sort of think that like... I, I was so stupid and I'm not going to kid you. I, I, was not, I was not fucking smart. Right? And, and I kept thinking that another million bucks was going to fix it. Yeah. I swear to God. And it's like, like Pavlov's dog. Like I fucking, you know, like the bell would ring and I'd be like, let me get one more and then it wouldn't do it. And then I'd be pissed off and then the bell ring again. And then let me get one more. And then I'd be mad. Why isn't this working? You know, like, yeah. Fucking, where's, where's my goddamn happiness? So. You know, like so, but so stupid huh. that, that, and I, and I swear to you, I really believe this, that if, uh, had my wife stayed, uh, huh, my, my ex-wife, my first wife, yeah. Patty, and she stayed, I never, ever, ever, I might be a billionaire yeah. and, and dead, yeah. like dead of, or probably diseased and, you know, fucking cirrhosis. And I mean, that's what it looked like. One, one last question. And then I, I want to hear more about plant medicine uh, and, and really do a little bit of a dig into that. But I think one thing that's, that's important is, you know, when men have a past that is tumultuous, whether it's addictions or, you know, trauma from their childhood or um, whatever it is, sexual exploits, we'll we'll call them. One of the things that is often very challenging for them is being able to feel worthy and deserving in a loving relationship and being able to be open. And I think one of the things that I've, I've really respected about you is that you, you completely transparent. You know, I'm, I'm just curious how you have managed to have these relationships now with your past and not uh-huh. not carry the shame forward uh-huh. and and what the sort of key to that has been because i think a lot of guys struggle with that so for me when i understood what it is what a woman is mm. now i never even understood it dude i thought they were an enemy mm. i really did mm. and and here's the crazy thing i would tell my friends how i love women back then and I hated them. Mm. I, I never got it until I did ayahuasca. Mm. Uh-huh. And and I got the feeling of the love of the mother. That that changed everything. Because you see, I I don't even identify with what I did. Mm. Uh-huh. Because it's so far from what I can even imagine. 
Yeah. You know, because I can't even imagine what it would be like to do that to something like that. Yeah. To something like God. And you know, the funny thing is that doctor the other night that was in here, the chiropractor yeah. that said to the mother, he said, now you fucking ruined it. And then I said, mother, <laughs> you ruined it. Where am I ever going to find this? You ruined it for every other girl. And the medicine said to him, I am every other girl. Yeah. I like, and that's yeah. it. It, it. It is, dude. And that's, once you get there, well, once you see your own story, that your shame goes away. Yeah. Well, and, and owning it, you know, it's, yeah. I think that's the, that's the cool part about what, what you've done is you've, you've really created an example of just saying, I, I own this, it you know, it's, happened. it's also not me anymore. And I've, yeah. you know, I've really, whether you want to call it a volcass or whatever, um, but, but here it is here, here are the things that, that I did yeah. and, and here are the lessons from that. So yeah. it's, it's, it's powerful. And I think it speaks to the quality of relationship you have now. I yeah. Imagine. I have, I have wonderful. Yeah. And what's crazy is all of my relationships, my, I was worse to men than I was to women. Hmm. Uh-huh. Because I never even had a, I never really had a friend. Yeah. You know, like I, I missed that whole thing you know, because I was, I was molested by a man. I had a big trust thing. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about what sparked, I mean, you kind of gave some background on, on why you went on this journey to, yes. to go experience plant medicine in the first place, but maybe just give the listeners a little bit of a context as to why plant medicine is so powerful uh-huh. and, and a little bit about the shamanic tradition. Cause I think largely in Western culture, it's, it's still a little bit of a mystery uh-huh. and, uh, yeah, so maybe just so that bit. you got your listeners have to understand that that Doctor Jeff yeah knows this inside and out. Okay, <laughs> I really only know what it does to me. Ah, so things like I never got involved in what DMT is and the all science stuff, behind it. What yeah. gain is like yeah. that because it didn't matter to me. Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact. The first night I did, plant, second night I did plant medicine, she told me to stop reading books. Really? Uh-huh. She told me to commune with it, not with not with any books. Mm. And since then, I've been given about 300 books, you know? It's crazy. <laughs> all, Everybody brings me a signed book, you know? <laughs> so many authors come here, right? So, but, uh, so I shouldn't send you my book after? <laughs> the the thing is it's such an experiential thing yeah that that like you know when i was reading in in Rumi and stuff in the 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 description of love Mm. fucking doesn't come close yeah to the feeling of when when the mother turns on love that feeling is indelible that feeling will be with you every day of your life that there's in anything less than that is not enough it's yeah. uh it's the memory of that feeling yeah uh-huh is all of a sudden there are no words there's no transactions there's no there's no nothing yeah. other than that thing and and that when you see that involved in the bloom of that flower and that's too much to start crying. Like, honestly, you do enough play medicine. Uh-huh. You'll look at everything and cry yeah. because it's all too beautiful. Right. So one of the things that I, that I do 
like about what I learned? Uh And I know that this is a little off track. That's okay. But when I get in the astrals, when I get out there, I don't care where it is, right? Because I don't even know where the fuck that is, right? But it's somewhere there. The thing that you're not allowed to do is touch. Mm. Uh Uh-huh. So... So this is the land of touch, the, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the the earth. Yeah. And so in in some part of you, you always knew the beauty of love. You always knew this eternal thing. That's why when people get to strange places on plant medicine, they go, you know what? I don't know why, but I know that I had been there before. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So here's the dilemma is that I'm here in the world of touch where I can touch my girlfriend's face and I can hug my best friend and I can pick that flower or, or bend it or, or pet a puppy or do all these things. I'm in the world of touch. And yet I know that that's temporal, Yeah. but I know that the, the, the higher powered love is, is eternal. Yeah. And I'm in this, quandary of i want to stay here and i want to be there and i want to stay here and i want to uh-huh. well it's it's almost like the difference between touching a flower smelling the flower and um you know i think on plant medicine being the flower and that's the di- that is the deal yeah beautiful shit well said yeah uh-huh. and, just, and just experiencing what that's like oh my god and, and what a beauty it is isn't right it? because yeah. because you know in everyday life i think it's seemingly incomprehensible to say like, oh, I'm going to be a flower. I'm going to feel what it's like to be a flower. And it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, and, and that seems, it seems a little bit out there. But I think for people who largely, is, as we've talked about before, have had that split, we can become more and more dependent and needy on seeing, touching the things True. around us. And we disconnect from the experience, I the experience of our emotions, you. the experience yeah. of of love of these of, of these other pieces and so yeah so what what a great what a great description can you tell us a little bit about maybe your your i was going to say like your most profound journey uh-huh. but i feel like that's probably going to be the first one yeah because uh, it sort of sets you on this path so can you can you sort of describe the experience a little bit because it was I found it to be hilarious. Like I, I love, I love the story. So if you can, if you can give the listeners a little bit of uh, yeah. insight on that, well, she, you know, she took me to the moon, and and the moon would type on a on a computer screen, mm. uh-huh. and type. So I'd ask the questions and type answers and read the answers. And uh, fuck, she was hysterical, sarcastic funny, cursed like a trooper. She was just fucking amazing. Just like, I, that's the first time I was ever like, wow. I was just wowed. And she was saying shit I never heard before. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that I read that was recycled in my psyche. Brand new material. Yeah. You know, it was brand new material. <laughs> and uh, I was just, I was just amazed. And that journey, that journey just, changed my my whole life but what i what i'm finding the more of these that i do that you can get caught up in the i want to learn more Mm. but to back out of that and let her know that you want to feel more 
that is where this gets rich. And I mean rich because, because you keep, you know, going into these situations where, where I understand how someone else feels. Once you understand that, everything shifts. The whole, there's not a, there is no way to, to be the same. It's impossible for you to do medicine from your heart and come, come back and say, okay, well, I'm going to go just pick up the show where I left off. And yeah. it doesn't work like that. It just doesn't yeah. work. It's like, you know, the funniest thing is that you read these books, Life After Life and all these things, yeah? Or you talk to people that had these near-death experiences. I had a, a surgeon who was here that had great experience with him because he was an ER surgeon with, the, with these deaths. And the people that come back, they're all forever changed. Mm. So that experience lines directly up with plant medicine. So if you ever, if I ever talk to someone and they say, what's plant medicine like? My first question is, have you had an, a near-death experience? Mm. And if they have, I just go, the same thing. Yeah. Because uh, it is. It's yeah. the exact same thing. Yeah, I agree. Now, if you haven't, where do we start? Yeah. You know, like, I don't <laughs> I know how that. to, right. where do you start how with you that? that one? You know? I think the, the interesting thing, uh, you know, about hearing your journey and, and hearing other people's journey on plant medicine and just what you were describing there is that it helps you contextualize and, and sort of experience other people's experience, but it, it does that through helping you experience your own yeah. in a very profound way. And, yeah. and I think, it, it seems to really clear out a lot of confusion for people. And it does do that because there's, there's a certain, uh, you know, I, I don't remember who said it, but someone said something along the lines of truth. Truth is something that can only be experienced. Truth, I believe that. Truth, yeah. Right. The real truth is not something that can only be experienced. Yep. You can talk about it all day long. And then it shifts. It. But yeah. then it shifts because other uh, people will disagree or have different perspectives, but there is a, there is a fundamental form of truth that is only experienced. And, and I think that that is the interesting thing about plant medicine is that you experience your, your inner truth, you know, and people get to experience themselves in a very interesting way, whether they, you know, are on the moon or having these conversations with, you know, Mother Ayahuasca or whatever it is. Um, but they are always brought back to a sense of authentic truth. I believe that. And, you know, what did that make possible for you afterwards? Because it sounds like, you had this experience, you know, leading up into it, you were smoking, drinking, still battling with, with, with drugs. Yeah. Um, but after that, after doing some ceremonies, what happened? On yeah. The side of that? So, so the thing is this, yeah, I can still drink. Yeah. Still have a wine, still do that. Uh, I don't ever want to do any drugs at all, you know, nor would I, I couldn't pay me, you know, uh, and it's not because I have an opinion over them. I don't want to do them. Yeah. So on occasion, I'll have a drink or something like that. That's okay. I very rarely lose my temper. Mm. Uh -huh. I used to be mad every second. I haven't been in a fist fight since I'd done it. I was mm -hmm. in a fist fight all the time with someone. Really? All the I was always in fights. And uh, yeah, my whole life has changed. My whole life. My relationship with my kids my kids and I are closer than any family I've ever seen. Mm. Uh -huh. And I mean, really, I look, I watch people, how they are with their kids. And I watch how I am with my kids, how my kids are with me. They're older people now. They're, they're 25 and 28. But we're so close. It's 
inseparable kind of closeness, yeah? And, uh, and in a good, positive way. Yeah. Like, there's no, I'm not trying to make them be anyone, and they're not trying to wish I was someone. Like, it's really good, yeah. you know? And all these these rich relationships that came out of nowhere uh, are the result of this. Because mm-hmm. once you see love, you want more of it. You really want more of it, not in a possessive way. Once you see love, you just want to be immersed in in that. Yeah. It's its own addiction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Dr. Gabor Mate, he's a addiction specialist. I love him. Yeah, and yeah. he he basically said, uh, you know, we we all have uh, we all have coping mechanisms and addictions. Some of us just have healthier ones. Yes, and, and that's true too. <laughs> it like, is true. Yeah, if you're if you're yeah. Anyway. Um, Okay, so so you have these you have this journey, and where did Rhythmia come in? Because you said that that two months later, uh, you know, you bought this property, yeah, and and you started Rhythmia, and and how did that come about? What was the I was I was the second night I did medicine, which is, I think it was a Wednesday, huh? <laughs> Wednesday, and the second night I did medicine, I was in the process of finalizing plans to open up. A, a chain of strip clubs in the United States. And and the medicine said, we're not going to open up the strip clubs. You're going to buy a place uh-huh, in Costa Rica. And the place is only going to attract two types of people, light workers and light warriors. Mm-hmm. And this was all written. I dictated this. Like this was the way that medicine works. It types and you speak what it's saying. Yeah. And then they record what you're saying. Huh. Uh-huh. And that we're going to open up this place and that uh i wouldn't be drinking anymore i wouldn't be fucking all kinds of girls i wouldn't be doing cocaine i wouldn't be doing this and i said to her well how am i going to have fun and she said the life you're going to leave is going to be its own reward Mm. and i thought that sounds like a real shitty answer (laughs) i know i know i really did i thought it was bullshit answer she told me what to do, which place to buy, what to pay for it, all kinds of crazy shit, yeah. how to set this up for people. You know, I had 40 some more journeys where just on this place, how to do it, where it's like the whole thing. And uh, so Rhythmia was burst out of you going through these plant medicine journeys and asking questions about yeah. how to actually form this. This. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, And I did exactly what she told me to do. Huh. Uh, without exception, I did exactly what she told me to do, you know, because she saved my life, Yeah. you know? So she really saved my life. I was a dead man, yeah. you know, a real dead man, a dead man. I just been forever grateful. So I started this place and then it started happening for other people. Uh-huh. And I was watching it happen for other people. And not only would it happen, but it would stick. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is, it's not just me, it's everyone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I think the the thing that I really love about what you're doing here is that you have, you've sort of taken a, uh, you know, you brought Dr. Jeff on board. So you have yes. a psychological component. Yeah. You are, are tracking the data and the information yep. of people's experiences, yep. there, which is so important because in places like, the, the United States and, and even in Canada to a certain degree, there's a, a huge amount of skepticism. Oh my God. Yeah. Medicine yeah. And, and psychedelics. 
But as we're starting to see things like psilocybin yep. and you know plant medicine like ayahuasca, they they can have in, they can yield incredible, incredible, incredible results. Incredible, you know, like yeah. moving through PTSD. Oh my and god, trauma yeah. and you know, real deep depression and anxieties and 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 they can. I mean, people are, you know, some people go through it and they and they're you know, cured, sort of cured, I guess is the word. Yeah. But they, they move past it, I guess that's another way of saying it. They move past those disorders and diseases yeah. and dysfunctions within, you know, one one sitting. And Sometimes the, it takes a little bit more, but I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. So I, I really appreciate the fact that you're sort of like leading the charge on being able to make a case for this. Yeah. Sort of like research. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that is a huge differentiating factor. So I'm just curious, like, why? Why is that important to you? The businessman in me. Yeah. Uh huh. That was a guy who was 100% reliant on data. I knew that there are other people that that wouldn't be swayed unless some guy like me mm-hmm. was willing to collect the data to just sit down with them and say, okay, I, I know you don't believe in God. Uh-huh. I know you don't believe in the kindness of humanity, mm. but do you believe this? And then take the graphs and charts out and then yeah. say, and this is self-reported electronic data. Uh-huh. That's untampered with just, just data. And, and either these 6,000 people are wrong. Uh-huh. Or you might have uh, an opinion that's not 100% accurate. And then just to add an element of enough doubt, you know, I swear to you, I could take the most hardened fella or or woman and serve them medicine in this environment and it will shift their heart. And, uh, And then their life gets better. Yeah. See, if, if this was the kind of thing that you go through all this shit and your life doesn't get better, then what the fuck are you doing? If yeah, you're, yeah. Your life actually gets better. Yeah. You get more joy, more peace, more connectedness, right? Connecting with others, more love. Mm. And, and strangely enough, more prosperity. Mm. You know, that, that working from a more quiet mind yeah generates more productivity in the thing that you're doing. Like if you're, if you've a super over busy mind yeah. with things thoughts and all over that, that worrying and anxiety, yeah. future projections. Yeah. Uh, instead of just being able to sit and, and complete something yeah. uh-huh, and like what you're doing, you know, like it's crazy shit. It's simple, simple. Yeah. You know, the funniest thing is this, is that, the simplicity of a lot of older texts that that are were absolutely spot on. The problem is they didn't tell you how to do it. Yeah, you know, thou shall not kill. And, and the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a great guideline. How do you do it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good rule. I read the rule. Exactly. How do I? How, how do, do I do it? How do I do it? How do I be someone that can actually not uh, kill. abide by this? Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. You know. Not steal, not covet their name. Like, fuck, how do you do all that? Yeah. Uh-huh. The only way to do it is to change your heart, which makes me believe that in the days of of Jesus, that Jesus may have been a shaman. You know, that, mm-hmm. that you know, there are those that believe that the water to wine thing was, mm-hmm. was uh, 
as mushrooms. Yes, I mean, who knows? Anita muscaria, I think, is like the the mushroom with the uh, the red cap and the yeah. white the white yeah. dots. Uh, yeah, it's from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Isn't it crazy? There's a there's a lot of research that shows that uh, well, not research, but there's a few people that, that that fundamentally believe that if you look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are people that wrote uh, were around when Jesus was yep. around, they believe that. Um, he was using Anita muscaria, which is a form of psychedelics. Yeah, mushrooms. I believe it too. And then if you go back, like, I mean, there's crazy shit. Being a, a child that was raised in Catholic school, on some of the bishop's staffs, there's the pineal gland. I'm thinking, yeah. I, I didn't even know what the fuck that was then. <laughs> you know, and how is this shit all lined up? There's more going on here. Yeah, There's a lot more going on. Well, we have to we have to wrap up, but this has been a phenomenal conversation. I love talking to you. Yeah, um, and for for everyone that's that's interested in learning more, um, you, you know, not not just about rhythmia, but just about plant medicine. What what do you suggest to the people that have heard this podcast and, and are very curious and, and sort of wanting to maybe explore it? If they're readers, yeah, uh, there's tons of stuff on the internet. Yeah. You know, if they're watchers. The movie, The Reality of Truth mm. with Michelle Rodriguez is a great plant medicine movie. Not because we're in it, but it's just a really good movie that shows the path of someone who's yeah. on the medicine path. It's a great movie. Well, and uh, Michelle Rodriguez is, is from Fast and the Furious. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, so, so you can listen to it and go check out that, uh, that film. Um, but I think I think also just kind of digging in, you know, uh, going to read Michael Pollan's book. Absolutely. Change your mind. Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's a brilliant book. And, uh, you know, he's he's very much openly endorsed Rhythmia and the work that you guys. I love that. Yeah. So uh, so incredible. So listen, Jerry, thank you so much. Thank you so much. For thanks for show. coming too, And thanks for having the nerve to face yourself. Yeah. This is a hard <laughs> week. <isn't> it? <laughs> it's a great week. It's, it's a great week. What I don't, yeah, and there's going to be some recaps on this. I love that. But uh, thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much, man. Mm -hmm.